0: Your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This post-wrestling podcast is brought to you by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Financial literacy can be daunting, but it's one of the most valuable things you can equip yourself with. Well, thank you.
1: Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of WrestleNomics Radio. I'm Brandon Thurston, broadcasting live and on demand from Buffalo, New York, where today is Sunday, November 21st, 2021. As we record, this is 9.02 a.m. Eastern Time. It's early. That means it must be a Buffalo Bills home game. But we're going to talk about uh, talent releases Talent has been released from WWE again. No, this is not – you're not playing an old episode. You're playing the latest one. Talent has been released from WWE again. AEW, full gear, pay per view buy rates, and other business we have to talk about. TV rights fees as the Premier League has been renewed at an upgrade. What does it mean for wrestling TV rights fees? We'll discuss. And uh, Netflix put out some data. What does that mean for wrestling distributors? And I think we're going to talk about uh, Stringer Bell's, one of Stringer Bell's favorite topics, price and elasticity. All that and more today on the program, plus a TikTok video. But first, joining us from my immediate south from South Buffalo, the Buffalo Bills season ticket holder himself, Chris Gullo. Hello.
2: It's good to be here. Yes. Go Bills and down with the Indianapolis Colts. It's the Colts today. Hmm. Yeah, the Colts. Peyton
1: Manning's still the quarterback there, right?
2: No, no. No, no. Okay. Um. (laughs) Carson Wentz.
1: It really? What happened to the um? What wasn't there? Somebody who they drafted, who's going to be like the next yes. Peyton Manning?
2: Andrew Luck, and he was very Andrew good, Luck. and he retired very early. Andrew
1: Luck's dad, though. Oliver. Oliver Luck. Uh, he's suing Vince McMahon. That's old news. Um, but yes, I'm not sure what the latest is on that. That's uh, that's that's still very much ongoing. I, I get, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, I get updates all the time, sometimes every day related to that lawsuit. They are always sealed though. Um, they don't want, uh, I don't, I don't know if, if measures are being taken to make sure that that, that the details of that lawsuit are less public than they would be otherwise. But anyway, here we are, what's happening lately in the world of, of, uh, wrestling business news.
2: Yeah, we're actually going to start right off in something we talked a little bit about last week, but now we got some numbers here, um, from our very own Brandon Thurston yourself. AW Fold Gear sold an estimated 145,000 pay per view buys, second highest behind All Out. Yes. And all, all, all the Thurston full Gear pay per view last Saturday is measuring about 145,000 buys we've learned. This is an early estimate that reflects all buys worldwide, traditional and digital, live and late. Traditional cable and satellite distributors take longer to report, so actual sales may vary accordingly. Late buys, which usually account for about 10% of the sales, exceeding or underperforming expectations, would also affect final results. Uh, Bleacher Report was the exclusive domestic digital pay-per-view distributor of the live broadcast, which we believe mildly hurt U.S. sales. Fight was added on Sunday, the day after the live broadcast, as a digital distributor to U.S. customers interested in buying the replay. Uh, both Bleacher Report and Fight offered the live pay-per-view to U.S. viewers for AEW previously quarterly pay-per-view all out uh, on September 5th. Fight sold the event live and afterward internationally as usual. And then, uh, getting a little more here. The event was also offered internationally via Facebook, but those sales were minor. Uh, between pay-per-view tickets and merchandise, full gear likely generated approximately 4 million. Only All Out 2021, which included CM Punk's first pro wrestling match in seven years, drew more gross revenue. All Out was believed to generate more than 5 million, largely driven by an estimated 205,000 pay-per-view buys. So sales of 145,000 buys. Okay. (laughs)
1: Uh, so this was, um, obviously down from All Out, which I think is to be expected um i think this is a a, a a within expectations i think we talked about it last time not knowing what the number was you know what what's what's the range of expectation i think as it said something like well what did the revolution pay-per-view do 135 um that would be the bottom of of my expectations if it's below that that would be disappointing if it's um if it's above i don't know 160 i think i said something like that that would be above my expectations so this is right right roughly in the middle maybe maybe slightly on the lower end but um yeah i think uh as i said last time i think you you'll have people uh who who decry oh it's down from from all out well yeah it is um <clears throat> i think the return of cm punk uh his first match in 7 years is the biggest attraction that AEW has ever offered and has to offer in the foreseeable future. Uh, yes, Adam Page versus Kenny Omega is a, is a big long-term story that was coming to its culmination here on, on full gear. But, um, storylines are not quite as big as the reality of, uh, one of the biggest stars of the era, CM Punk. You know, coming back to wrestle when, you know, it had appeared that maybe he would never wrestle again. Maybe he would never have anything to do with the wrestling business again. But there he was. He was back. Um, and I think that also explains what's happened with TV ratings, uh, as well for the, for the most part. I know we've got, uh, dynamites now in all likelihood, being affected by the, what's happen, happening on the West Coast where uh, Dynamite is not airing in primetime. Uh, it's airing out of primetime because of the NHL games having to air in primetime. Um, but yeah, the uh, as far as the, uh, the rest of the business, the rest of the business that is ticket sales and merchandise sales are pretty predictable. No, I don't know anything about um, how this pay-per-view per- performed in movie theaters, which it was distributed in. Um, not here in Buffalo. I did look that up just for personal curiosity. Could you? Could I go to the local AMC or something and watch Full Gear? Not here, but in many markets you could have um, <clears throat> the merchandise. We can talk about too. So go ahead and read the rest of that call.
2: Yep. So sales of one hundred forty thousand buys worldwide in Full Gear would mean about seven million in pay per view revenue before AEW split with distributors. If the average split to AEW is about 45%, then AEW would take about $3 million in pay-per-view revenue. Russell Tick's final count of tickets distributed at the Target Center in Minneapolis was 10442 assuming 96% of that count represents paid tickets, and that the normal average ticket price for an AEW pay-per-view is $65, that gives us an estimated gate of approximately $650,000. If merchandise sold the venue was about $15 per ticket sold, then it would mean an additional 150,000.
1: Yes. Um, I was told by someone who talks to the people who were working merchandise that merchandise sales were 156,000. Um, and that they quickly sold out of a lot of their items as, as Chris Gullis sneezes and try to hold uh, them in. And AEW didn't bring a lot of inventory, which Maybe is often the case. Uh, they're having to ship it in. Um, this is not like a, a concert that's on tour that's going around the loop. Uh, they're, you know, going to one location, flying in and out, I guess. So it's not like they have a, a truck apparently that they can take from one location to another with a massive warehouse of inventory. Um, but yeah, I, I, I got the impression that AEW has, uh, a limited supply of merchandise and perhaps could be doing a lot better if they had a better way to supply themselves uh, with venue merchandise. And I wonder how that compares to what, what WWE does. Um, whenever I've been to, I don't know, I know WWE uh, has like their own pop-up stands, like outside the venues and stuff. At least last time I was, I was at a, a WWE show, but, um, yes, the average ticket price $65, which is pretty comparable. Apparently, to to at least what we know about the other um, events, we're going to talk later about price and elasticity. I'm questioning whether these pay per view prices for AEW. This will be every, every, everyone will love hearing this. I think the the, the AEW pay per view pri- tickets, at least the pay per view tickets, might be priced too low. They could probably price these a bit more aggressively. Uh, but anyway, yeah, this uh, four million dollars is to AEW. <clears throat> So everyone with their uh scorecards at home who's keeping them like I am, when when it's time to do the annual estimate of AEW's revenue, that's the net revenue to AEW. Of course, there was more than just four million dollars made here when you include pay-per-view distributors, more like seven million. Um, I know pay-per-view price points around the world were lower than fifty dollars, which they were in the US. Um, so that that's all that all checks out. Um, because if we just real quick here. The the usual international to domestic split. <clears throat> what do you think the the domestic to international split is in terms of pay-per-view sales? For a typical pay-per-view, whether it's WWE or AEW, I think they're about the same ratio.
2: Um, if I were just guessing, maybe 75-25?
1: 70-30 is usually what i go with. Yeah. And that's – I mean, I think there's, there's old – SEC filings data to, to support that in WD's case. Um, and I've been told as much that it's, you know, that that's about what it is for AEW too. So if we say 145 times 70%, that's domestic times 50. Uh, let's actually put the real numbers in here. So, so I get dollar amounts, uh, 145,000 times 70% that that's 101,000 pay-per-view buys times $50 price point. So that's $5 million in domestic revenue uh, for pay-per-view. Um, plus the international. Let's say I, I I heard that, you know, the fight international pay-per-view price point was something like $31 or something like that. Let's say 30, uh, times 145,000 times 30%. And the parentheses, we get to 6.38 million. Uh, and then you add about six hundred fifty thousand in the live gate. Now we're over seven million, and if we add another one hundred fifty thousand of merchandise, we're at about seven point two million dollars in gross revenue for everybody. Uh, well, AEW and pay per view distributors. Um, so there's that again. But about four million for AEW, about seven million total between AEW and pay-per-view distributors short of about 5.4 million. And I don't know, like something like 8 million. I don't want to do the math again uh, and bore everybody, but obviously eight all out did substantially better.
2: (laughs) Well, I think a lot of it too has to be how it's presented, right? Like, so I think this all out I think was represented as kind of a bigger deal. And I mean, in, you don't see critics like, Complaining that TLC doesn't do as well as WrestleMania on <laughs> merchandise and, you know, when they had pay-per-view buys, you know. So you think that out of
1: there's four pay-per-views, but All Out yes. is, is a bigger marquee event. I don't, I don't know I that, think so. <laughs> I don't In know. my opinion. I mean, I know All Out is sort of the, uh, successor of All In, which is this, you know, this, this event that predated AEW and sort of led to it. Um, I don't know if they're that distinguished. And in fact, if we, if we look at the, uh, if we go to com, uh, what did it, what did it, what did these pay-per-views do last year? I guess Full Gear did, did do is like the, the least bought pay-per-view ever of w- in one of the prior years, I think. <clears throat> so if we go to com, oh, actually we had it in the slide. Um, yeah, 80,000 is the lowest. And that was in, in nineteen. And it was the lowest last year too. So is that the lineup? It's not like there's a huge margin here though, between let's say all out 88,000 and full gear 80,000 in 2019. And then in the following year, last year, 2020, it was 90,000 for all out 85,000. Those are pretty thin margins. Um, I think, I don't think any of these four pay-per-view brands stand out above, above the other, um, I mean, double or nothing was the first pay per view. And I thought that was like their biggest branded maybe that maybe going to be, be positioned that way. But it, I don't see any of these being, being different from one another at this point, unless until one of these events becomes like a stadium event. Um, if that happens someday, but I, I see these, these four being pretty equal and what's on them, you know, is, is what's going to determine the margin.
2: In any event. All right. Uh, and then from there. Yeah. All right. That notwithstanding. So, <laughs> all right. on. This is from Post Wrestling. WWE cuts. This is lead from to John more Pollock himself. <laughs> of supply and demand. Uh, the all too common pattern of WWE cuts continued Thursday night, with eight names added to the growing list of ex WWE talents John Morrison, Tegan Knox, Shane Thorne, Drake Maverick, Jackson Riker, and the remaining members of Hit Row. Isaiah Swerve Scott, Top Dalla, and Ashanti, the Adonis, were the latest cuts to an overall number that would uh, be unfathomable two years ago. Uh, the overall impact to the industry and the respective performers is unknown, but common sense suggests that the industry cannot support such a constant stream of free agents that are uh, coming off WB runs that would seek comparable livings outside. Uh, WB has fundamentally shifted its policy of talent acquisition and stockpiling. From participating in an arms race for the stars outside the company into one that has flooded the open market. It's a market that cannot possibly find the demand for the enormous supply of stars. And I don't want me to continue. Yeah, we can, can stop there. here.
1: Um, All right. <clears throat> what do I have here? So we have a chart here that we can show for, just for, for people watching on video. Um, we are now at the lowest point. If so, what I did here is I went through the archive, the Wayback Machine, archive.org, which people may be familiar with. And I uh I scraped every instance going back to 2014. So really we're talking about the entirety of, of the Performance Center era here. And um I scraped each instance of the Wikipedia page called list of WWE personnel. Um which seems to be kept pretty well up to date. I don't know if it's accurate, but there's clearly some effort uh at keeping that uh that page up to date. I think I remember reading something a few years ago about like what the most updated pages on Wikipedia are and many many of the most updated pages on Wikipedia are guess what? wrestling related. <laughs> like there's something about wrestling fandom that there's clearly people who's like, it's one of their hobbies is keeping this page and many other wrestling related pages up to date. Um But anyway, I tried to count every wrestler on every instance over time. And these, these aren't consistently uh, spaced. There aren't consistent intervals over time here. It's sort of random, Uh but we do have multiple data points for every year, 2014 to the present. The point is, I count now 226 wrestlers. So this wouldn't include other kinds of talent like announcers and maybe non-wrestler talent, uh, things like that. But about 226 wrestlers are on the page as of um, – I think this was Thursday. No, Friday. Um, so that is the lowest it's been since early in the brand split era, which is if people are watching this on video – that's more than anything uh what explodes this number of of wrestlers that WWE has in her contracts it's the beginning of the brand split in July 2016 where WWE now has to have separate rosters for Raw and SmackDown uh doesn't exactly double the raw well <laughs> it nearly does it nearly doubles the roster even uh, even taking uh developmental into account and i know some of this isn't isn't perfect where we have there's something wrong here, where in in mid early 2016 the number of PC recruits is at zero. So that certainly doesn't make sense. So this isn't a perfect science here. This isn't an official number or anything. WWE does does publish the number of talent it has on our contract every year, and we've we looked at that last week. Um, but I think this gives you an idea. I imagine this is highly correlated to reality. In any event, this is uh, the lowest that it's been since the brand split. Um, why? well wwe clearly you know doesn't think that it needs to compete for talent i think they had too much talent because there was a strategy that that will never be publicly acknowledged that they want wanted to keep talent away from potential competitors including aew including world of sport that's largely why NXT uk exists i've got to think by the way Global localization. I wish I had the, the graphic on hand to show Triple H standing up there at the Business Partner Summit in 2018 in front of the big mm-hmm. map with the with the with the yellow countries on it and the the uh, the NXT logos all over it. <clears throat> I know that was asked about. Um, it was asked about by by finance people. At, at Madison Square Garden, when they had all their, uh, they had a lot of stock-related people uh, at Madison Square Garden for the SmackDown that they did. It was asked about then, you know, what's the, what's the deal with global localization? I don't know if it was put that way, but essentially, what's the deal with global localization? WWE executives, maybe it was Nick Conn, maybe it wasn't, said that no, yeah, we're still doing that. It was, it's just you know, the pandemic's happening, et cetera, et cetera. I I'm very skeptical that this is happening. I know there was a report earlier this week. Um, Shared by, by Cubs fan Lucha blog that the, the Mexico office is closed. Uh, WS, according to Dave Meltzer, has since denied that that's the case. Um, so just to put that out there and clear that up. But this idea, you know, why are you cutting all this talent if you really are still looking to do global localization to put NXTs and PCs, uh, all over the world? Well, maybe you just want more local talent in those local destinations when the day comes. I don't know, but I'm, I'm skeptical that this is happening. Although we did have a Triple H sighting we did have a triple h sighting this week. People may have seen the video <laughs> uh, earlier this week. Uh it's Vince McMahon at the front of the line next to his favorite son, not not Paul Oveck, but Nick Khan. Uh they they seem to be touring the construction site of the new headquarters building down the street there in Stanford, Connecticut. Uh it's it's Vin- Vince Vince with his contrast tie. We've got, we've got the thumbnail up here right now on, on the slides. The contrast tie. He's got a bright orange knot and a some sort of pattern tail, of course. Vince with a contrast high. Next to Nick Khan, and then the, the trail of, of executives falling behind him. Uh, eventually, it's Stephanie and someone. And then way in the back, one, one of the last people seen coming down this wooden ramp here. All of these individuals, by the way, wearing hard hats. W logo hard hats, mind you. Um, And way in the back, Triple H, Paulevec. The game, Paulevec of cardiac event fame. He's, he's still there, still employed, apparently. So that's good to know. Good to know he still has a job. Um, so there's that. Um, but while we're talking about, about Triple H and his, I don't know, his interesting, uh, dynamic in, in the, in the W corporate world these days. Um, I don't know if we talked about this. I know we've been speculating having some fun here lately about how, well, make, you know, Triple H should just quit and he should go off and find some billionaire and start his own wrestling company. Um, this is a fun idea to think about. Probably not going to happen, but it was was raised to me, and I, I should ask around about this a bit more. He's a member of the board of directors. It's very possible that anybody who's ever you know anybody who is a member of the board of directors is is agreeing to some sort of non compete clause that would disable them from being allowed to be involved in a wrestling company for some amount of time, uh, whether that's part of a year or years. I don't know. So there may be, even if he wanted to do that and was going to do that in our fantasy, uh, booking world here that he might have some legal hurdles to that. Um, so there's that. Um, yeah. Do I know? I mean, any, any, any questions or thoughts here Golo?
2: Uh, no, um, uh, I don't know if you just kind of want me to wrap up, uh, the Pollock article just what oh. you brought up as far as AEW and that. Um, So what he said was, A.W. is only a viable option for so many with the promotion stacked to the brim with talent that runs its own risk of reaching a level where hard decisions need to be made or talent becomes unsatisfied without featured status. And uh, as A.W. has cemented itself into a strong standing with national television exposure, increasing its pay-per-view business roughly 62% in 2021 and expanding its television footprint this year, there are fewer needs for the company rather than want's if a particular talent becomes available that can fulfill one. We are still understanding the full impact of the pandemic on the pro wrestling landscape. While there are success stories of Game Changer Wrestling that have emerged and created their own unique space in the market, there are far more we don't hear about and don't have the excess budget to book higher-priced talent who may come at a bargain prior to their WWE runs. This is combined with an indie market that's missed out on its most lucrative week of the year in 2020, with WrestleMania and a toned-down version in 2021.
1: Yes, um, when I when I talked to John Pollock um, a couple weeks ago after the the earnings report, he was, he was he asked me a good question along these lines about how because the talent releases, of course, had, had happened immediately following the earnings report and conference call uh, that evening. Um, and and it's a good question to raise that. Is this, I've, I've been one of these people probably who's been saying, Oh, it's a great time to be a pro wrestler. And there's, it's a better time than it was before. I think it is probably still a better time than it was. I don't know, pre 2014. Um, that said, I don't know. A lot of this is of WWE's own doing and WWE's own doing alone kind of in that they, they stocked up this giant roster that they didn't need. Um, and. Now they're deciding they don't want this giant roster. So, uh, they're cutting a lot of people. Um, but there isn't a ring of honor as, as John Pollock points out. I believe there was a ring of honor, but a ring of honor that's only going to be using people who are on a, on a, but on a by date basis, not, not on a, on a contract and all that. Um, there's impact and they're doing whatever they're doing. Uh, there's AEW, but AEW's is already st- stocked as it is. Um, and that's, uh, that's another data scrape I want to do is what's, what's the accumulation been like of talent for AEW over time? How many wrestlers do they have under contract now? I imagine it's been growing. Um, so what's going to happen with the indies? Now, on the other hand, since about 2018, the, the, the indies have been harvested as all of this talent was signed by AEW and, and WWE and others. There was less and less talent available to the indies and the indies were hurt. Um, you know, I've 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 talked to any promoters maybe you've talked to any promoters Chris Cullo, who have mentioned they they, they going to they don't have any names to book um running out of names yeah maybe now they have some names to book however um i have heard too really? they all want a bunch of money they're going to have to lower their prices uh and the economics are going to have to uh, uh, adjust themselves for this to work out for everybody um I think this, there was something written in the Observer in the most recent issue about how a lot of the names are asking for big prices and, uh, indie promotions don't necessarily have the high enough margins to, uh, to accommodate that. Um, so we'll see what happens. I mean, the, the wrestlers who want to work the indies and want to build their name and brand back up, uh, will make the adjustments. Uh, those who don't will go the way of the, of, of the Rybacks. And, you know, they can, mm-hmm. they can do other things. They can do a podcast and and supplements or whatever else they want to do with their lives and their time. But, um, but those who want to go to the indies and build up a resume, uh, may have to work for a little bit less money than they were expecting. Um, as somebody who's been involved in knee wrestling for a long time, though, it's, it's encouraging, it's not encouraging to see people lose their jobs, but it's encouraging to see more talent available to the indie scene. And hopefully we have some ambitious, uh, talent that now that wants to perform well and contribute to independent wrestling, contribute to a scene that has needed, uh, some, some high quality talent for some time. And then from there, oh, by the way, um, <clears throat> So WWE, I mean uh, the, the the cited reason according to reports is that John John More nice is calling everybody up and saying, Sorry, it's a budget thing. Um which is, let's be clear, uh is making a lot of money. It's more like we have a target here to hit and we want to become even more profitable. Um I tweeted this this graph and a comment and, and got many people uh upset with
2: me. Um This has gotten around. Oh, it has it. Yeah. Like I saw a lot on Facebook, like in like Facebook wrestling groups and stuff. This has gotten around. Oh, wow.
1: Yeah. Yes. Yes. So what we have on the screen right now for people listening on audio is, is a chart showing the net income. What is net income? Tell me, like, like I'm a kindergartner, Chris Gullo.
2: What's net income? The net income is after cost, taxes, all that. So you have your gross and then your net is after all the stuff that comes out.
1: Yes, I would I would call it the most final form of profit. It's like your net pay after all of your taxes and deductions have been taken out. Not an accounting uh expert, although we do have some accounting experts who are listening, who keep me informed, which I appreciate. Um I think this is what goes into free cash flow. But anyway, this is this is a- after everything's taken out, this is after taxes and so forth. Uh we's making a profit you know, more, as we've discussed, WD is more profitable uh, this year than it will have ever been in its entire history. Yes, even if you adjust it for inflation, back to the Attitude Era, this, they're doing better. They're doing better because meter rights fees are magnificent. Um, and WD, and, uh, in the most recent quarter, reported $44 million in net income. Uh the quarter before that, 29 million. Quarter before that, another 44 million. Uh, they're very close to, in, in just three quarters, uh, hitting the record of the four quarters in 2020. Uh, so if they have a, a, a mildly profitable Q4, which there's every reason to believe they will, they will be breaking that record again, uh, their annual net income record. Uh, so yeah, the, W's doing well. Um, I think budget cuts, I'm sure it's a it's a complicated issue, but, uh, you know, but budget cuts are, are, are one way to explain to people that you don't want them anymore. And, and, you you know, ultimately, the decision may be, you know, we do we need 250 wrestlers under contract? No. All right. Well, let's 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 lower the budget here. All right. John, Lauren, I just go figure out who you're going to cut or whoever is making that decision. I'm sure Vince McMahon ultimately has the oversight on that. But um, but I'm sure Vince loved all this talent. He was just, you know,
2: probably Johnny Ace who wanted to cut them. All right. Yeah, I, I saw that there. I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> so this is <laughs> –
1: what well, we've got on the screen here is a slide, a giant gradient gray black slide, which is mm-hmm. how all of them are. But this one has in very small text the, uh, the five-letter word brand. Um, because this is a thought that I had like at midnight last night where I pulled out my phone and I went into the slides app and I was like, oh, we have to talk about this. We have to talk about what this means to the brand. Um, W, which loves to, uh, enrich the value of its brand, um, and enhance the, its brand perception to, uh, other business. God, it loves its business partners so much. I don't know if there's another company Chris, in, in the world really that loves its business partners as much as this company loves it's business partners um you know wh- wh- one of the most uh powerful executives in this company is the chief brand officer because they love their brands so much um now what 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 my my point here that i'm getting to obviously is that well what, i th- cutting people like this um again like i i said on Twitter d w obviously has the right to cut whoever they want you know uh, wrongful wrongful termination notwithstanding uh they have the right basically to fire whoever they want uh but over hiring and now having to correct for that over hiring uh does something to their brand with prospective talent uh are we still at a time when it's every teenager who aspires to be a wrestler's dream to wrestle for wwe someday uh to be in the main event of WrestleMania. Is that the case? Like it What? I don't think it's the case like it was before. I'm sure there's th- um, go go ahead.
2: Well, I was just saying, I don't know about the teenager, but I've spent quite a bit of time the last couple of years with like, you know, younger rest student wrestlers, mm. guys just getting into business, girls just getting business. And that's very rarely the answer anymore. Mm. You know, they, they bring up AEW or Japan, you know, and you know, and stuff like that. Like you don't really hear it like, yeah, I want to, I, I want to make it to WWE. That's not the typical answer why you're going to wrestling school anymore.
1: And in fact, at, at this point, at least as of September or so, since WWE obviously made this change to how it views talent, uh, and, and hey, the pendulum might swing right back the other way in a few years. Uh, but they don't, they don't seem to want wrestlers. I, I'm, 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 the, the clock is ticking now. It'll be interesting to see we've only got a couple months of, of data here and they're not really hiring anybody recently. Right. But like, are they, you know, how many, let's say for the the, the next six months or so, the next 12 months, how many wrestlers are they going to sign who actually have independent wrestling experience? It'll be very interesting to see. Or if they truly do stick to just hiring uh talent that have some other athletic or you know, professional background that they favor. Um That'll be interesting to see as the point is, I mean, for, for, for some fans, this is an issue, I think to an extent. And I know there's always great debate and discontent in conversations when you try to raise this, but like to an extent, this does have an effect on some fans, maybe not a large portion, but you are, uh, Take something like Hit Row, which got over to an extent in, in NXT, right? And they brought, brought them up to the main roster. Now they're all cut. Um, you're, and this is the case with the dynamic between the between NXT and, and the main roster for a number of years now is that there are investments made, uh, at a, at a, at more of a grassroots level with your more engaged fans. They get into this talent. They get emotionally invested in this talent. They're brought to the main roster and often little is done with them. Uh, now they're cut. They're not, they're not even with it, with WWE anymore. Uh, so you're probably expensing your goodwill there, which, you know, WWE is, has, has done, has done a lot to, uh, to expense their goodwill over their entire history, especially, especially in recent years. So there's some fan brand perception here. Uh, maybe that's not that big of a deal though. Maybe it's just the IWC as, as as people remind or will remind you on Twitter and Reddit and places like that. Um, but like we're discussing here, this is a talent thing where I don't know, do do, do as time goes on and especially if the pendulum doesn't swing back as strongly then they go back to hiring independent wrestlers, rep you know, talent with wrestling experience. If that doesn't happen and more time is going to go on, more turnover is going to happen where you where you've got, younger wrestlers who have lived through this moment more and more. I don't know if, if the place that they're going to aspire to be is going to be WWE um, as much as it has been in the past. Uh,
2: So there's that. I I, I, I will, I will say this um, just when it comes to the uh, image of WWE, like not really having previous experience uh, top dollar, was everything you think they love former NFL player podcaster hosted their. I didn't know that he was a former NFL player. Yes. Mm. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So like that, that shocked me a little bit, but then I well, just looked it up and realized he actually did have a little bit of wrestling experience before WWE. So really the Dudley's trained him. So,
1: well, I think that there might've been extenuating <laughs> circumstances in, in top Dallas case, Uh he may have been getting himself into some trouble on Twitter. We- We've so heard, but
2: yes. You know. Um, so anyway, all right. So yeah, moving on here and uh, a little bit of ratings news we have here, starting with uh, SmackDown. Um, we have a preliminary rating for SmackDown. Uh, last night, Fox was at 1.988 million viewers. Well, Friday night, expect the final reported on Monday around 2.10 million, similar to the last two weeks. And that was reported by you. Uh,
1: well, spoiler TV. The prelim comes from spoiler TV.
2: Oh, you're you saying that? Yeah. Okay, go ahead. Yes. Yeah, I linked it in the end. Uh, we don't have anything for Rampage. Nobody has reported that. Where's
1: the Fast Nationals? <laughs> it's my favorite game. I wanted to play Fast Nationals this morning and I couldn't. It's a shame. So the Fast Nat nobody reported the Fast Nationals for some reason. Uh, I, I suspect they're still being ordered and bought, but for maybe this means Rampage did a did a better than last week rate? last week's rampage rating was the second lowest in the history of the show in the uh what is it 3 3 months or so about half of august september october uh, roughly 4 months i guess uh last week was the second lowest um maybe it was back up we'll we'll see on monday when finals come out this is a decent rating for smackdown though uh Looks like it's going to be very much in line with where it was in the last two weeks. On the lower, I mean, if you look at this this line graph that we have on the on the slide here, it's these three weeks are a lot lower than than SmackDown has been since August or so. Uh, but these are okay numbers, I think, relative to where they've been lately. Uh, and ultimately, SmackDown to put this in just in context, SmackDown is doing well in the demo compared to. Whatever else is on television on Friday night, it's it's usually SmackDown and Shark Tank, Mark Cuban. Uh, SmackDown and Mark Cuban running neck-to-neck uh, when, when Shark Tank is a first run. Uh, so there's that. Um, yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll see what happens with Rampage. Just judging by the fact that there's no Fast National here, I would guess that Rampage was up from last week. But we'll see.
2: Because dynamite was up from last week as well, right? So coming off the pay per view, yeah, yes, yeah. So and then from there, all right. Well, I know uh, you put yeah, you wanted to get into some impact. Uh, well, viewership of other things, but we had impact Suzuki versus Alexander Thursday. Yes. What what was the number
1: for impact? Do you have that on hand,
2: Chris Cole? Um, I think you reported it was. Oh, I want to say one twenty something. At I looked at it literally this morning, and I just can't remember the.
1: Impact Wrestling movie. on Access on Thursday night was viewed by one hundred twenty nine thousand viewers. That is the that was highest the high since June
2: third. I remember that since June third. <laughs> yes. Can you yep. think of
1: any famous wrestling matches that happened on on June third? Maybe 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 June third,
2: nineteen ninety four. June third, nineteen ninety four. Oh. Oh, 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 no, 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 not what I was thinking. <laughs> I don't know why this is escaping me. The, the, the great singles match
1: between, uh, Toshiaki Kawada and Mitsara Masawa, June 3rd, oh. 1994, All Japan Pro Wrestling in the Budokan. Oh, it's just, this, uh, the greatest singles match of all time. Um, anyway, that, uh, was the last time that Impact, not, not 1994, June 3rd, 2021, was the last time that Impact did a number as high as this, 129,000 viewers. Um, well, what could it be? Why was the number up? By the way, the demo didn't really move. <laughs> so total viewership was up the demo. Now, the, the demo was a smaller sample because the demo was only a portion of the audience. In, in Impact's case, it's something like a third or a quarter of the audience. It's hard to even tell because the smaller your audience is for your given program, the harder it is to rely on this data and the more artificial volatility we see anyway th- th- this does seem to have popped a number um the main event was Minoru Suzuki versus uh, Josh Alexander um I was also told that uh was it last week when there was a six-man tag uh involving uh Josh Alexander or not or maybe it was Josh Alexander but but involving uh, Minoru Suzuki that uh that in the minute by minute ratings that match did quite well um so, Minoru Suzuki popped a number. I think here, I'm 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 always the one hesitant to say that uh, the ratings or the quarter hours are people want people want this data, Chris Gullo, to be a referendum on their favorite or least favorite wrestler. Wrestling data, TV ratings especially, is not a referendum on whether a wrestler is a draw or not. Maybe merchandise sales are, but we don't have that data transparent to us here outside on the public but anyway i I, it looks like Minoru Suzuki uh i mean this this obviously this number is still within the realm of what impact is capable of but uh this is their highest number in five months that's impressive um yeah i i tend to think that impact wrestling is generally a mainstream product that doesn't appeal to a mainstream fan base and uh Maybe appealing harder to a niche like somebody like Minoru Suzuki does would produce better results for them.
2: Um, June 3rd, just a fact for you, uh, Satoshi Kojima made his uh, impact debut. So on that June 3rd episode, wow. So very interesting. Like, yeah, if they, hey, they're doing what New Japan should be doing here. Yeah. Having having it's, primetime uh, television, those those, those access those
1: access view, access viewers, they just they they missed their new Japan.
2: <laughs> Fair enough. All right. Um. Well, I'm gonna stay in the realm of television, but talk about TV rights and uh, NBC Universal and the Premier League have extended their relationship with a new six-year US TV deal worth more than two billion euro. Um. No, no, no. Oh, two billion. Uh, I'm sorry. That, that's
1: pounds, isn't it? Yeah. That's pounds, which, <laughs> yes. which they convert for you in parentheses.
2: Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. So, uh, huge deal here. Uh, Premier League soccer has grown huge in the United States over the last few years. Um, and I know you're going to kind of get into yes. the demographics and ratings for this and other sports.
1: Two billion pounds is how much in U.S. dollars it says right there in parentheses.
2: Oh, <laughs> oh uh, 2.7 billion.
1: Yes. 2.7 billion over how many years? I believe it's it over six, year six
2: years. Six year yeah. deal.
1: So, an average annual value here we go average annual value of $450 million. I think that might, math might actually come out to 460, but close enough. Um, that's the average annual value. What was This, this is always what I want to know is what was that in terms of an upgrade? Um, something else we should keep into account here. And I wasn't able to gather here within the last few days was like, are they getting the same amount of content? Are they getting the rights to the same number of games? I, I imagine they are, but I don't know. Uh, and anyway, this was a 2.7 X increase. That's, that's the most important number to me here is how big of a step up did they get their previous or current their incumbent deal, which runs from 2016 to 2022 that that has an average annual value of $167 million. That is being multiplied now by 2.7, which comes out to roughly $450 million. Um I understand there are a number of other bidders interested in this. Uh I think it was Turner, Fox, ESPN, some some combination I think most of those, if not all of them, were made bids. Uh I'm just recalling stuff off the top of my head without references now. But um, someone reported, maybe it was John O'Ran, someone in that universe reported that, um, someone bid higher for this, but they chose to stick with NBCU for, for other reasons, because money may or may not make the world go round, but it's not always, it's not the only consideration to make. Um, re, in the case of something like Fox, you know, reach is, is a consideration too. Um, and sometimes to leave your current home. You know, it's not, it's not just a matter of paying a dollar or a million dollars more. It's, it's a lot of other things perhaps that come into, into play there. Uh, but anyway, 2.7x increase. Premier League TV rights fees more than doubling, nearly tripling. Um, if we look at other deals that have been made recently, new deals, the NFL, <clears throat> I think I have this right. The NFL, it's series of deals that are ending in 2023, those were worth $6.9 billion, getting a 1.5X increase up to a massive $10.2 billion. So the NFL getting a one and a half times increase. The NBA getting a 2.8 times increase, going from $930 million average annual value to $2.6 billion in their current deal that they're currently getting paid under. Uh, the NHL just made a deal. Between now, now they're not with NBCU anymore. As we know, they're now on Turner as well as ESPN going from $200 million for their previous NBCU deal to $623 million, tripling their TV rights fees. NHL did and WWE in 2018. When they made their deals in 2018, they upgraded from about $131 million for Raw and SmackDown on NBCU to 470 million dollars 3.6 x increase that's the that's the biggest factor that we've got on on the chart here among the five properties that we're we're just happening to look at at this moment um and in fact it means it's, it's notable that uh even with this upgrade that the premier league is getting they're going to be short of the deal that ron smackdown get between NBC universal and um and Fox. Uh, so that's, that's interesting to note. Um I don't know what the, or maybe we have some, some data coming up that we're going to look at in a moment that will give us some insight into this, but how much content is, I, th- I think there's more content with, with premier league in terms of hours um, than, than even Ron Smackdown, even though they're, I'm not sure about that. Let's we'll, we'll, we'll look at that in a minute, but anyway, sp- kind of comparable amount of content at least. Right. And, uh, but, but WWE is a, Maybe a more valuable property you could, could argue than, than Premier League. Um, currently less valuable than, than the NHL, but, um, you know, if, if WWE doubles their rights fees, you know, and then go from 470 and they, they get a 2X increase, they're at 940, you know, or if they even get just a, I think I'm modeling right now 1.7X. Uh, that would put them at about $800 million a year. And that would put them just over, you know, a, yeah, good margin over the NHL. Um, they were definitely getting paid more on an average annual basis than the NHL was in their previous deal. Uh, so there's that. Um, we have another chart here for people watching on video that just shows the same information, but just with the NFL off of the, off of the chart, because they really upset the scale and make everybody look small by comparison, because of course the NFL is the most valuable television property in all of media. Um, so there's that. So what I, what I did here is I wanted to consider, let's look at the TV viewership of all these properties. We're we're only going to look at cable because that's, that's the data that i have the easiest access to um i'm still working on scraping through cage match or cage match scraping through showbiz daily we're also scraping through cage match but scraping through showbiz daily uh to to get the broadcast information but we but we definitely have the the cable uh originals from showbiz daily in in a really accessible form going back to 2016 and even a little bit before that but anyway what does the premier league do in terms of a rating how does that compare to what wrestling does so what I did is, this will not be a perfect science again, but what I did was I took the entire Showba's daily database and I just searched it for this string. Premier League L colon. The L indicates live. Um, So this was, presumably these are games, okay? And we get around 170 games each year. Uh, it was what it looks like here. The average P18 to 49 rating, uh, this year, year to date is 0.12. 0.12. What does Raw do, Chris Colo?
2: Uh, Raw here, here. Um, (laughs) Raw is about, you're talking about the 18 to 49 most recent? The 18 to 49 rating.
1: P18 to 49 uh, rating.
2: 0.51 this year so far. What
1: are you? What are you referencing? That's. Is that an average I'm, for the I'm year? Referencing
2: your, I'm referencing your raw chart, <laughs> the. Uh, a couple slides down. So okay. yeah, that's the average of the eighteen to forty.
1: Oh, I see
2: what you're doing. Okay. Yes. Uh what, what did Raw do? Yeah, I was looking up some Premier League scheduling Football. things. That's what I was looking at. What did what did, uh, did
1: Raw do? I know, I know they're going against Monday Night Football. What did Raw do on Monday?
2: Oh. Well, let me pull that up on the Patreon. <laughs> Um, but, uh, while I'm pulling it, one thing I wanted to bring up was, uh, I think something interesting about the premier league deal, especially we're comparing it to WWE is that a lot of its content is on Peacock. Like looking at the sky, I was looking at the schedule and a lot of the, uh-huh. uh, the content is on Peacock. Yes. There's, you know, some, uh, NBC sports and NBC and USA, but a lot of it yes. is on Peacock. It's a good so, point. Pulling up the raw rating here. It's giving me June fourteenth. It's the oldest. For some reason I'm looking at the Patreon. It's giving me June as the first Raw rating.
1: Raw did, let's see here.
2: Yeah, sorry. I'll have these up next time. You didn't put me on the spot like that.
1: Raw did so. I something in the, the point four range uh this past Monday. Um or in fact, if you go to Russellomics.com and you go to look at the look at the menu, and if you go to latest TV ratings. You click on latest TV ratings. It will pull up a, an embed from the Russell Onyx viewership spreadsheet, which is public for all sort of a free sample here. Uh, anybody can look at this and note that raw this past Monday did a 0.42 P1849 rating, uh, off of hundred or a, 1, 1.58 million viewers. 0.42 demo rating. Last week they did it a 0.44 demo rating. You know, um, among the lowest it's ever done. Uh, as, as ratings decline over time, um, and they're going against the NFL. Uh, but anyway, this year so far, uh, averaging a 0.12 Premier League games are, uh, average rank 0.56. The, the thing to look at here though, that, that, that I think is interesting is yes, you can look at this over time. We're looking at this from 2016 every year. It's average from 2021. Most of the time, most years it's getting lower. It's, it's an average of 0.16 in 2016. It's getting a little bit lower, a little bit lower. Some, some, you know, in a couple of these years here, 2018 to 2020, it's kind of stable. And now it's down to a, to an average to date of 0.12. But if you look at the average rank in 18 to 49, it's ranking higher. So the rank is improving even as their rating is decreasing. That's the Premier League. Still, so the point is, yeah, Premier League's ratings are going down too, but they also got an upgrade. Now let's look at the NHL. NHL. I just did a search for the string NHL. So this probably includes some shoulder programming. It'll include things like All-Star Games, the skills competition. I miss playing the skills competition on, on the old NHL EA Sports Games. That was always fun, huh? You would... Um,
2: I slapshot. Like, a yeah, little yeah, bit. yeah, yeah. You like break... Al McGinnis, best slapshot. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Ray Bork. Mm-hmm. Ray Bork. Uh, mm-hmm. Anyway... 0.20
1: average P18 49 rating for for this NHL search string in 2016, and it's it's going down and down and down and down again. 0.20 now down year to date 0.13. Uh, yet its average rank seems to be improving from the 70s and the 80s. Now an average rank is 69. So that's the NHL again. and was we we looked at before NHL got its TV rights tripled by. Splitting its deal from not just one partner, NBC Universal, but two partners dealing to ESPN and Turner. Does that sound familiar? They they dealt instead of just dealing with one partner, they decided to deal with two partners, just like WWE did thanks to Nick Khan, as they dealt to Raw and SmackDown. So similar similar story for total viewership too here, right? Um, so that's that's just cable, right? So this wouldn't include like Stanley Cup playoff games that are probably on. NBC or something in, in pre- previous years. But anyway, let we go with the NBA. Again, doesn't include broadcast uh finals games that are probably on um ABC or something. But this is a search for the strings NBA regular season and NBA basketball because Turner and, and ESPN sort of uh label them differently. So I think this is all regular season games, something roughly resembling all reg- regular season games for 2016. To 2021 year to date. Average P1849 rating in that timeline 2016 starts out at 0.43. They go to 0.45, 0.43, 0.38, 0.38. Now year to date, they're averaging 0.28. Uh so that's 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 dropped quite a bit. Um, but the rank went from being in the 40s, the high thirties, now it's at 35, is their average P 18 to 49 rank. So while the viewership is diminishing. Their, their prominence in the over, and this is true for all the properties that we talked about so far, their prominence in the overall television picture has only improved. Um, now let's talk about Raw. We're not going to talk about SmackDown here. Of course, SmackDown is a more complicated picture because SmackDown has been across all these different networks and now it's on broadcast on Fox. But Raw has been on the USA network this entire timeline from 2016 to 2021. In 2016, Raw had an average, by the way, the count program here, 156. It's because Raw, of course, as people know, as enthusiasts of TV ratings and Nielsen and Shoba's Daily know, Raw has one row for each of its hours. For some reason, uh, historians and researchers are still trying to figure out why. Uh, but anyway, the average rating for Raw in 2016, P18-49 rating, 1.13. 1.13! What did Raw do on Monday?
2: Raw I got it here. I actually have the WrestleNomics Patreon up. Let me go back to Raw. I was preparing for you to ask me for any any date coming up here. So uh let's see here. Yeah. Raw tributed troops raw and tributed troops rating. Uh Raw did a uh one point five uh overall with five hundred and forty four and eighteen forty
1: nine. What was the what was the p forty nine rating?
2: Uh well point point four two for a demo rating.
1: Point four two in 2016 1.13 so that that's uh less it's fallen more than in half uh as, as now year to date in 2021 averaging 0.51 but over that time the average rank for all these raw rows has stayed the same the average rank for raw is number four every year except for 2020 they did slip one slot in the pandemic year first pandemic year many to come, uh, to number five. But now, year-to-date 2021, back at number four. Uh, again, that's out of its three hours, so it, you, it's probably like one slot higher than that. Uh, this is ranked on its day, by the way, among Cable Originals. Uh, this is not like by week or anything like that. Um, so, th- the moral of this story is that it's not unique to wrestling, that viewership has diminished and revenue has gone up. At least media rights revenue, right? That's that's a similar story for everybody else. But we can ask the question is that, you know, this this thing that is affecting everybody in the media industry even the live sports industry and yes, live sports are the thing that's improving in value over time. Uh things becoming increasingly valuable for cable and network um and they're getting more they're getting better and better payments for it because they are increasingly as as all the scripted programming is everything else, news is still doing well, of course, but as everything else sort of sort of drops away and it's its viewership is diminishing even worse, the what's 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 rising a little bit further and a little bit further to the top is are our sports, including uh other live programming. Maybe maybe it's sports, maybe it's not, maybe it's sports it's, it's sports when they want it to be sports, including wrestling, including WWE. Uh, but we can ask the question is, well, is, is WB suffering worse in this way than the others? Well, if we, uh, if we calculate the, the PTN 49 rating and look at it year over year, uh, raw in these years, raw is the only one that has got negative deltas in every single year. So they've all these other three properties, the Premier League, the NHL the NBA, at least in these queries that I did, which are not perfect, uh, they've all got at least one year where they were up a little bit, a few percent from the prior year. Raw though, down every year. So, uh, and, and, and it's down by double digits in three consecutive years, which isn't really comparable to any of the others. Then we can look at, well, but, but maybe they're just offering a lot of content or something. So what I did is I said, well, let's, let's do an index here. Let's take, let's take the sum of all of their – P. this will be really out there, but, but I think this makes sense. Take, let's take the sum of all of their P18 to 49 ratings and let's time adjust it. Let's multiply it by the minutes, the duration that they're providing. As uh, so we'll talk about in a moment, the the ultimate equalizer is time. Here we can talk about different programs, but but maybe it's just the case that you know, um, what are they really giving their partner? Are are they in, 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 in W's case and in AEW's case? One of their great strengths is that they're giving their partners content fifty two weeks a year, which can't be said for the Premier League, for the NHL, or for the NBA. The, I don't I mean I don't think Premier League is year round, right? uh but the NHL and NBA no. definitely are not um but but wrestling is wrestling has no off season uh but anyway if we multiply their and 49 ratings by their minutes uh we still see uh raw is the only one with negative deltas all the way down uh and in fact they're they're down more than 20% in each of the last 3 years including this year from the prior year uh we see some pretty strong negative deltas uh, for the others, you know, we got down, NBA was down 40%, 46% in 2020. NHL was down 41% in 2020. Uh, those are, those are the big pandemic year, of course. Um, but, uh, but Raw seems to be suffering worse than those. Um, my takeaway from this is that this is reflective of the popularity of these brands. Raw, WD in general, perhaps has diminished in popularity, while these others, not so much. Uh, nonetheless, still highly ranked programming, still growing in value. And I remain pretty optimistic that Raw and SmackDown, especially with Nick Khan, are going to manage to get a healthy increase in their TV rights fees when deals are made, probably sometime in 2023. Whew, so there's that.
2: All right. Uh, moving on. Variety has reported, uh, that Netflix is going to release top 10 reports weekly for English and non-English. They're not just TV gonna, Chris films. Gull.
1: They're not just
0: gonna. They, they are doing they it. They did it. I
2: just checked it. They, they, yeah, did, they, did, it. It. they did it. They don't
0: they, care. They,
2: they, they did it. And if you, if you're curious, Red Notice featuring The Rock is number one.
1: Oh, yes. So what does this have to do with wrestling? Oh, Chris Gull is leaving. He's had it with me. I'm yelling too much. Sorry. He left. He's gone. Uh while he's gone, Andrew has a question in the chat. How does Impact make a profit? Are they paying under market value? Uh, I mean, I mean, I don't know. I, I I think um Anthem, Impact's parent company, Access TV's parent company, probably looks at uh impact as, as a content provider, probably similar to how Sinclair has and maybe still does view um Ring of Honor. It's uh I imagine it's something that they give a budget to. They get content it's, it's cheaper than having to pay a, a, a rights fee for a third-party content creator um, do they make a profit in in the typical sense maybe not I don't know I mean how how could they <laughs> I get you know, anthem may, may value it at whatever it, they value it, it at um, so anyway Netflix decided to put out its data as uh, there have been criticisms in the past about how um, Netflix doesn't provide the right kind of data, and so forth. They have opened up this top10.netflix.com, which anyone can go to. Oh, and by the way, if you scroll all the way to the bottom of this this page, there are Excel files and tab-separated values that you can download to analyze the data for yourself, put it into a pivot table, make charts. But anyway, we can look at the, uh, for example, we can look at, look at the most popular TV programs. If we sort this by non-English, and we look at uh, this is looking at the last seven days, the seven days between November 8 to November fourteenth. So this is not the last seven days, but last week. And apparently they're going to update this every week. Squid Game is the big leader here, of course, with 42.8 million hours viewed. And if we go back, can we go back a week? It's probably even higher. 65 million hours two weeks ago. There were 65 million hours viewed of Squid Game. To put that in some context, um, that's in one week. If we go to, uh, corporate.w.com and we think about, well, W is one of the most popular properties on all of YouTube, right? And they publish every quarter how many hours get viewed, not just on YouTube, but across all digital media platforms and social media platforms, uh, W reported 411 million hours viewed in the three months, July, August, and September. That was their highest probably ever. Um, Squid Game did did you know something like an eighth of that in one week? Um, I don't know if that's as impressive as I uh, built it up to be. But there's there's Netflix. What does this have to do with wrestling other than those that that comparison of, of time? What does this have to do with wrestling? Any guesses, Chris Gull?
2: Well, we could find out if they're doing this. Like, what would be the top streaming programs on, for example, Peacock? If does Peacock and do we, this? Well, they don't. But I'm saying, like, that's how it relate to wrestling. If this becomes a trend, yeah, we could see how WWE stuff is performing on Peacock. Ne- 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 actually see it other than Nikon telling us something that we have no way to get the data. Nikon has given us deltas
1: at times. He told us that Money in the Bank was X percent more viewed this year than Money in the Bank uh in the prior two years and so forth. Um told us that WrestleMania was the most viewed WrestleMania ever for that first WrestleMania on Peacock this year. But um this is this is Netflix saying look we're we're confident that we're blowing away everybody here. So we're gonna put the data out and we dare HBO Max, Disney Plus, Apple TV, Prime Video, Hulu, NBC Universal's Peacock. We dare you to put out your own data comparable to this because I'm sure they blow everybody away here. Um, maybe eventually though, if, um, if other players start to do this, the pressure will, will continue to mount on. Ultimately, Peacock, which of, of the services that I just mentioned and, and those services, their logos are on the screen right now. Uh, Peacock's probably capturing the least amount of watch time. Uh, probably, or, or certainly among the lowest of, of the, the six that we've got on the screen here. Um, so the pressure might mount. May, the point is maybe eventually in, in the nearish future, in the years to come, maybe eventually we'll get, it'll, it'll become standard that, that these streaming services will, um, will publish some kind of data. And maybe eventually we will find out how many people really do watch W pay-per-views and how does this pay-per-view compare to, to the, to the, to last pay-per-view? And how does it compare to the same pay-per-view the prior year? Other than the, the selective information that W chooses to share on earnings calls or in interviews or whatever, but some consistent data over time would, would be wonderful for WrestleNomics enthusiasts. <clears throat> moving on.
2: All right. Moving on to price elasticity of demand. Mm. And the definition is it's the effect of change in the price on the quantity of demand. So that's percentage of change in quantity demanded over change percentage change of price. And how does this pertain to pro wrestling. How does it? Well, I think that we're talking about as far as demand on live live attendance. Mm-hmm.
1: Let, I, would, let, I would imagine that. Let, let's go to Stringer Bell to explain to us <laughs> what a elastic and inelastic product is. You know what we got here? We got an elastic product. You know what that means? That means... When people can go elsewhere and get their printing and copying and done, they're going to do it. you acting like we got an inelastic product and we don't. Now, I want this to run like a true business. So what I did here is, should we, should we discuss uh, price and elasticity real quick? I think a, a great example of a product that proved, the, hip, the history of like proves, strongly supports, okay? A proof is a different thing. Um, Chris Harrington in the chat does not expect any other services to start reporting top viewership. Yes. They're, 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 they're too, too afraid. They're too intimidated by the outstanding viewership of, of Netflix. Um, I think pay-per-view is a price inelastic product. Uh, the W, if, if, if it wasn't, the W network would be more successful. What, what do I mean by that? What do I mean by price inelasticity here? If, if pay-per-view was a more elastic product in terms of price and demand, we would have seen cutting the price by one-sixth, going from a $60 price point down to a $10 price point, arguably even lower because you provided people with not only access to the pay-per-view, but an enormous video library as well, and weekly new content that they put on the, on the W Network. At a minimum, they cut, cut the, the price by one-sixth. Did it 6X the demand, though? No. It 2X'd the demand. W went from about a million people buying the pay-per-view, or at least a million, a million sales of the pay-per-view worldwide, in terms of WrestleMania, it's, its peak, obviously, to, at best, 2 million subscribers, at least for one month. I think it proved that you can cut the price of something like a wrestling pay-per-view, into a fraction a sixth and it does not result in a comparable increase in demand um so when people say wow well, i don't know the aw pay for you is kind of it's oh man it's fifty dollars i don't know if i want to pay for every fifty dollars i think they would do even better if it maybe was twenty five dollars i think that's a poor argument um we've and we've got a big lesson in history that just happened telling us that no if, if you cut the price of the AEW pay-per-view in half from $50 to $25, is that going to double their sales? If it's not, they shouldn't do it. It's better more than double their sales to take the risk. But but anyway, all that besides, I, w- I went through the WrestleTix data, and I looked at the information that we have on average ticket price here. So WrestleTix has been able to make uh, some gate estimates, Um, some of these, some of these are Russell Tick's own gate estimates. I think some of these are pulled from the observer. But, um, so I, I took, uh, Russell Tick's tickets distributed. I took about 4% off of it to assume comps. And then I divided the tickets distributed minus 4% by the gate estimate or the gate report. And what we have here is for TV tapings. And and this will vary from market to market, right? Because in, in in a market like San Jose, the ticket price for SmackDown in San Jose was $75. The West Coast is a different world, apparently. Uh, whereas, you know, let's look at a really low one. Uh, well, let's look at another SmackDown. So we're looking at like-to-like. Like. In Wichita, Kansas, though, the average SmackDown ticket price sold was $51. Again, San Jose, 75 Wichita, Kansas, 51 so different markets are different, but uh if we look at the pay-per-view, let's look at what extreme rules did for an average ticket price, $99 for extreme rules. Where was extreme rules? Columbus, Ohio. Um, Compare that to the, so that's a pay-per-view. Obviously it's a W pay-per-view $99 average ticket price. Compare that to Minneapolis, Minnesota full gear where it looks like, uh, I think we had $65 up on the screen earlier, but, uh, I got sixty eight dollars here, sixty eight. Um, I wonder if if uh, if AW isn't charging enough for at least it's pay per views. If we look at Dynamite compared to Raw or SmackDown, Dynamite's with the with the few data points that we have, we have what four data points for Dynamite, and we have four data points for Raw. We have four data points for SmackDown. So Dynamite has, a, a, across those four data points has an average ticket price of $59. Raw, Raw is lower, 53, SmackDown higher with the, with that San Jose data point in there skewing things to 60. So Dynamite seems to be roughly on par with Raw and SmackDown, maybe even a little bit higher. But, um, but the pay-per-view, uh, w- big difference there. And this is not some, you know, big brand pay-per-view for WB Extreme Rules. And I don't think Columbus, Ohio is, is, I could be wrong here, but I don't think Columbus, Ohio is this way, uh, higher priced market or more expensive market than, than Minneapolis is. Um, I would imagine those would be comparable in terms of, um, you know, what, what those markets, you know, can afford or what their, what their economy is. Um, so I, I, I I guess I think, you know, you, you look at the sentiment around these brands, W has a huge following and has built up this tremendous dominance of its industry over decades. Uh, but I think there's room and I know we're, I know we're talking about wrestling here. We're talking about pro wrestling, but I think there's room for, for dynamite to take advantage of its perception as a superior wrestling brand among people in the know. Now you can disagree with that, but I don't think you can make a good argument that that is the perception. Um, you don't have to feel that way personally, but I think en- enough people feel that way that there's, there's an opportunity there. Uh, and I, th- so I guess, I guess what I'm saying here is I think if, if, $68 is an accurate average ticket price, this, this price could have been higher, maybe at least 75 or wh- why not a hundred? Like, like extreme rules was at 99. Um, would that have, I know, so the tickets distributed count that we got for, uh, for full gear was something in an excess of 10,000. Um, no audio. Are we still having no audio? Let me know. I know we had no audio on that clip.
2: Um, check that out, please. I think that was from, that was from the, the, the clip, I yeah, believe. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, I, I, yeah, those I, are a little bit older comments. I think, um,
1: full gear probably could have been priced higher, produced a, a stronger gate for full gear. Yeah. No stringer bell audio. Thank you. Uh, we will, we will fix that in the podcast. Um, and AEW would have ended up with, a higher gate let's 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 just do the math now maybe the the attendance would have been lower it wouldn't have been ten thousand. but i think you know i think aw has a strong enough brand that what would, would higher prices have really scared that many fans away i'm not sure and i think there's there's something to raising the price and i'm not even talking about the demographics that that may be out there that you could use to support that to say that well Fans of, of AEW and the, and the TV viewership tend to have higher incomes, maybe than WWE fans. I don't know, but I think there's 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 something to charging a s- somewhat higher price for a pay per view that has a stronger brand perception, even if it's with a smaller number of people, even if it does, and almost certainly it would result in lower attendance. Um And then I think there's uh, there's something to the pay-per-view price being a little bit higher, enhancing uh, the perception of the brand further that, hey, look, this is a, this is a high-quality product, and we're going to price it as such. Um, I think there's more than sufficient credibility for AEW to do so. So, anyway, so I guess just ultimately what I'm saying here is this $68 average ticket price for full gear, $99 average ticket price for Extreme Rules doesn't make any sense to me, um, given the perception of, of these brands, the perception of the quality of, of these products.
2: Um, yeah. All right. So with that, we've reached the end of the line this week here. Yes. You so can go right into plugs.
1: On the Russellomics YouTube channel, which some of you are watching on, watching us on right now, I do every Thursday at 5.30 PM Eastern, a live TV ratings talk. If you're wondering where the ratings talk is, how come I'm not shouting about, quarter hours and things of that nature um actually i don't talk about quarter hours that much on on live tv ratings talk but i do talk about the ratings in in great depth great deal of depth uh raw smackdown dynamite rampage impact nxt all of that happens every thursday live and you can watch any after the fact as well uh on the wrestleomics youtube channel the audio goes right into the audio feed for, for patrons at patreon.com slash where our subscribers for just $5 a month get access to my TV ratings reports that I post almost every day because that's the nature of wrestling TV ratings at this point. There's a TV show to report on their ratings for almost every single weekday. Uh, patrons get access to that stuff and you get access to the WrestleNomics viewership spreadsheet, which is this increasingly massive data set. Of all of the wrestling-related TV programming, all the data that I have—that's uh, for patrons. Plus, you get other content um, and things of that nature. Uh, we've we've put out—I don't know—I was looking earlier when when we get the do the media calls when the media calls uh, happen, whether it's for uh, NXT or for the uh, the earnings calls for WWE. That audio goes into the patron feeds, um, and sometimes there's a, other stuff too. But you can follow me on Twitter at Brandon Thurston What
2: do you got, Call? Just uh, you can follow me on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram at Chris Gello. RTA Pod on Twitter. That's my other podcast, Rediscovering Indies. Uh, Our part four and final part of our NWA title and the business of the NWA from 2007 to 2017 is dropping this Wednesday. We talk the kind of very wrestleomicsy as we talk the Billy Corgan purchase from Bruce Tharp, and there was some streaming library stuff involved with that too, with the NWA Houston Houston, footage. Do so you, you know how the much they paid against. for it? Um, so I, I think it got. Uh, it was only well the footage or, or just the overall purchase everything. The, the,
1: the, the, the library was a part of it, right?
2: Yeah. So um, it, it it looked like I mean it, I believe it was less than a million. If I remember the numbers, yeah, yeah. i don't know in my notes pulled up here. I think it was yeah.
1: told at one point about the cost of somebody's house was how it was phrased yeah. to me. <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah. Um, and, and 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 the odd thing is is with the Houston footage. It might just be a lease deal where it's still technically owned by the uh, Paul Bosch estate. It's very weird. Okay. <laughs> like there's reports saying Corgan does own it, there's reports that Corgan just has the rights to stream it. Okay. That's all there's no oh. definition on that. But yeah. Okay.
1: That's all for this week. Thanks for listening. The uh, there is oh, by the way, I should mention, I'll put the link in the chat. There is a WrestleMics survey for uh as as we try to learn more. About uh our ruslammic readers, listeners, and viewers uh there's already been quite a few responses already, but i don't we definitely have not mentioned it uh on this podcast yet, so i will uh will copy that link and I will put it into the chat right now. Uh, we'll put it in the description here as well if anybody's watching this after the fact. But if you wouldn't mind taking it, it should take about a minute to go through and, and uh, take a little survey for us and give us some information about uh, what we can do uh, in the future to make Russellonomics even better. So thanks again for listening. Thanks, of course, to all of our subscribers for supporting through Patreon. And uh, we will talk to you next time. I'm Brandon Thurston. I'm Chris gell See you later.